Well, it is good to be with you this morning, and um, I am grateful to have um, gotten to know Shane Cox over the past few years through the Potter's House Christian School, where we've both worked as discipleship leaders, and I worked with Sean Weldon as well this year, and so that was good. Um, Today, I'm going to be kind of all over the Bible, so I hope that you brought your Bibles and that you're ready to um, turn to different passages. But I wanted to start out with a passage in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 7. I heard that you guys had gone through the Sermon on the Mount and that Shane, Shane said that he wanted me to uh, bring a message that had something... Um, to do uh, with the teachings of Jesus. And so I'm going to start with an introduction along those lines, but then broaden it out a little bit more. It's Father's Day today, um, and I'm grateful for my father. He's here with me today. Uh, and I just want to thank him for, <clears throat> for what he's done in my life. He's a big reason why I'm a preacher. He taught me to love the Word of God. He taught me to teach the Word of God. He taught me, most importantly, to rightly divide the Word of God. Uh, Because um, today, more than ever, people are pulling the Bible out of its given context and making it say what they want it to say rather than looking at it and listening to what it says and believing what it says and living life on that basis. So it's my hope today to encourage you to... Um, take the Bible at its word and to live it. Um, I'm not perfect in that regard. Anyone who lives with me will tell you that. But I am a fellow soldier and fellow fellow journeyer on this path. Um, And I know that God is with us. So here's what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall... Fine, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man of you is there, what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him. So the first thing that I want to mention is that as um, earthly fathers, as, as an earthly son, I learned from my father what it was like um, to have God as a father. I know for some people it's hard to envision God as your father because you haven't had a good earthly father. My father lost his father when he was four years old, so he always told me, that God was his father, that God was the father of the fatherless and the provider for widows. And um, that always stuck with me, and I I constantly remember that. Um, So today's message is called Lessons My Father Has Taught Me. I don't know if any of you take notes, but if you do, um, I'll just go through my points, and I have um, something that my father taught me for each letter in the word father. So the first thing that my father taught me 
as I have already stated, is that he faithfully taught me God's word. And for that, we'll turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 to 9. In Deuteronomy, um, uh, we're at the point in the life of Moses where he's getting ready to go um, to be with God. God told him because he disobeyed that he wouldn't be going into the promised land. So uh, Moses basically takes the book of Deuteronomy, or most of the book of Deuteronomy, to review for us, uh, or for the children of Israel, and a lot of lessons for us as well, what... what is to be expected um, as we go into the uh, as they go into the promised land and here's what he says to fathers about um, teaching about himself and he says in verse 7 of Deuteronomy chapter Six, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk about them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine head, and thou, they shall be as frontless upon thine eyes, and they shall write them upon the posts of thy house, and on thy gates. Now, I, I'm, not I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily persuaded that... God was saying that you should, you know, have um, the phylacteries that the, that the Jews used, that the Jews often still have tied around their heads. I don't necessarily think that was the point, but the point was that wherever we go, we should be teaching our children the Word of God. And even if we don't have children ourselves, we need to take a great responsibility to teach the next generation, whatever part of that we are given influence over, the Word of God. It only takes one generation to lose love and respect for God. If you look at the book of Judges, and I'm not going to turn there, but if you look at the book of Judges in the first chapter, it says, there arose a generation that knew not Joshua. And it says that they walked away from God and served idols. Now, they would walk away from God repeatedly throughout the book of Judges, so that's not an isolated incident, but it's significant that all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that served with Joshua, they served God. But when those elders were gone, they forgot God. And why is that? Because the generation, uh, because they didn't do a good job of um, letting the next generation know what was really important. And so I want to thank my dad for teaching me God's Word and teaching me its importance. Um, I just want to go to a quick cross-reverence here in Exodus, Exodus chapter... Exodus chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. Exodus 12. 
Exodus 12, 26. And it shall come to pass, when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by the service, that you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the, over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians, and delivered our houses, and the people bowed down their head, and worshipped. So, um, this is a situation, again, where God was calling the children of Israel to put up a memorial so that when the children, when their children asked, they could impart this lesson. Once again, coming back to sharing about God, sharing the Word of God, so that the next generation can be blessed. And as I said, I am a preacher today because my father faithfully taught me the Word of God, and I came to love it as much as he does. And uh, so I, I owe a lot to him. The second thing that my father has always taught me is he's shown me how to love and lead a wife. Now, I do not have a wife yet, but I'm praying for one. And the thing is, if you have children, fathers, your children are watching the way that you interact with your wife and care for her for two reasons. If they're, if they're a young man... They're looking for the way to be a husband. And if they're a young woman, they're looking for the kind of husband to have. Many women will marry someone at least somewhat like their father. That's where they get their example of what a man should be. And so it was very important to me and very significant to me that my dad showed me how to love a wife. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians. five twenty-five. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, this is a sacrificial thing, and it's something that I think we read it over and over again, and we don't get the full effect of it. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I firmly believe that if men would get this verse right, the rest of the passage would fall into place. We live in a culture today where we're told that uh, gender roles are not important, you know, people, uh, a lot of people are saying today they don't even know what gender they are. We need to get back to the basics. Jesus said this, he said, at the beginning they were made male and female. He made Adam, he brought Eve to him, and that's how the human race began. That's his intention for us, is to walk as single and glorifying God that way, and then as married couples cleaving to one another in the bond and covenant of marriage. And my parents have exemplified that for us for 38 years, and I'm very grateful for that. And another further verse about that is 1 Peter 3.7. 1 Peter 3.7. 
and this is an important one. It says, Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So for those who are husbands here today, if, or if you don't want your if you don't want your prayers to be hindered, you will make sure that you are treating your wife with kindness and respect, and that you are protecting her. The Bible says in another passage that the woman was deceived and the man was not. The woman was deceived by the devil. The man willfully sinned. And God all, and Jesus, God says in numerous places that sin came into the world through Adam. So Adam had a responsibility uh, for his wife even then. And uh, we need to make sure that we are taking godly responsibility, servant leadership over our families. And my father has exemplified that to me as well. So we have F and A. The letter T, he's trained me in the ways of the Lord. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, um, uh, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And there were times in my teenage years when I thought about uh, departing, when I was struggling, but the ultimate reality was that I knew God was real, that I, that I loved God and that I wanted to follow Him because I saw that even in the roughest times, my father clung to God. So this is an important thing. And then Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Once again, my father has done a very good job of this. Um, he's not perfect, but one of the best things he does is that when he makes mistakes, he admits them, and he has taught us that it is not unmanly to admit your faults. Matter of fact, it is a very manly thing to do. I commend Mike for having the courage to come up here and talk to you all about his um, failings so that he can uh, get better. And I hope that you all encourage him as he strives toward that. So we've looked at the F, faithfully taught me God's word. A, always showing me how to love and lead a wife. T, train me in the ways of the Lord. So here is the H. He helped me find direction in life and embrace my calling. Um, there was uh, quite a bit of time when I was a young man, after I first came to the Lord, that I knew where my eternal destiny was, but my temporary destination I was bitter at God about. And then, when I was 13 years old, my baby brother died in his sleep, and that was my rock bottom point. I just wanted to end my life. I, want, I said, I don't want to be here. I'm useless. And he was healthy and God took him. So why is this happening? And then 
Uh, a year later, I rededicated my life to Christ after a year of really bad depression. And God allowed me to begin uh, sharing Him with various people. Uh, fast forward to the end of my college career at, um, in uh, May of 2006, and my, my major focus was on graduating from college uh, with my communications degree, getting a full-time job, uh, you know, finding a wife and raising children. And that was my main focus, and I put out so many applications that first year, was very discouraged and depressed again, and my dad said to me, he said, you have a calling on your life, and uh, you need to pursue that calling, and you need to, to share Christ with others. And so after, you know, a lot of hesitation on my part, I finally surrendered um, to ministry in uh, 2008 and in 2009 began my speaking for him ministry and so I, I thank God for allowing my father to help me um, solidify my calling and um, Proverbs chapter 4 Proverbs 4 1 to 5 Proverbs 4, 1-5 says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline um, from the words of my mouth. And I, I don't remember the exact quote, so I'm not going to try to quote it for you. But I know in my personal life, it's amazing how much, how much smarter my dad got between my teen years and going through my 20s. It was like all of a sudden my dad was a lot smarter than I remember him being. And it's because as I grew up and got wiser and the Lord worked in my life, I realized that God was using my father to teach me important lessons. And I'm very thankful uh, for that influence in my life. And I would encourage any of you that have children, or even those, you know, some of you may not be in families yet, but this is still available because it's not something that you oh, I'm getting married in a few weeks, so maybe I should start learning these things. These are things that, as men, we need to be putting into practice now so that when we become husbands, we can be prepared. It's not something to take lightly. It's not something to be ill-prepared for. So, just to keep that in mind. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2, 11-12.
1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. Um, as you know, we, how we have exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. So God has called us all to something. I don't know what God has called you to, but he has called all of us to something within his kingdom if we are believers. If you're not a believer, uh, you can't experience the calling of God because it doesn't come to us until we become believers. But every believer is gifted and equipped for callings that he has for us. And those callings are uh, so much better than anything that we could ever come up with on our own. So I would encourage you that if you are a believer, that you would embrace the fact that God has a calling for you. And, and sometimes people say, well, how do I know my calling? Well, the, one of the best ways to figure it out is to start finding areas to serve. And eventually, as you continue to serve, you will find the place that you fit the best and you will know the main calling that God has in your life. It's not always an easy process. And sometimes you'll feel ill-equipped. Ill I remember when I, when I was first in, embarking on this, this ministry, it was kind of like, okay, Lord, you want me to do this, but I don't feel uh, very equipped to do it, you know? Because I went through um, a stage when I was 12 or 13 when I, you know, really kind of felt like I, I wanted to preach but it wasn't necessarily for the right reasons. And then as I rededicated myself to Christ and gave him my life so that he could give me more opportunities, there was definitely some times when I felt ill-equipped, but I remember the, what, Mo, what happened with Moses. Moses is just a guy minding his own business. He's 80 years old. He's on the back of the desert. All of a sudden he sees this bush, and it's burning, but it's not burning up. And through the course of the story, God calls Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and God won't take no for an answer. Moses is like, send anybody else. God says, I made your mouth. I will go with you and tell you what to say. So when God calls you to something, don't make excuses, because he already has the answers for every excuse that would come out of your mouth. All right. So... Now, we have the E, which is, earnestly seeks the Lord on my behalf. 1 Timothy 2, chapter 1. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy 2, 1. I exhort that, first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions be made. Are, are, I exhort that, first of all, Supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Uh, my dad does this for me. Often when I w wake up, I do so because he is getting ready to leave for work, and I'm not up yet, um, and I can usually sleep a little bit longer, but I often hear him praying for me before he leaves for work. Sometimes generally, but often by name. And it's such an encouragement to begin my day knowing that my father 
is praying for me. And that's not unlike our Father in Heaven. The Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of God interceding for us. And uh, that God, through the Holy Spirit, um, helps us pray even when we don't know how to, uh, what to pray. And He refines our prayers and makes them better than they would be in our own human strength. And then, First Thessalonians... First Thessalonians... First Thessalonians one three is just another verse to remind us of this. It says <clears throat> Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. So as we as we pray for one another, and specifically as, as fathers praying for sons and daughters, we need to pray without ceasing. Paul um, often thought of himself as a father to the people that he discipled. As a matter of fact, he, he called Timothy, his, his, I believe, his true son in the faith. So even though we don't um, see recorded in Scripture Paul having any biological children, he definitely had spiritual children, and he prayed for them regularly, much as my father does for me. And the final point, the R, F-A-T-H-E-R, the R stands for regularly stands for truth. I gotta tell you, this is one of my favorite things about my dad, because... All throughout my life, growing up, I, I've seen people make compromises in little and big ways. And my dad is always one to stand up for the truth. When there's a big article or something that comes out about a pastor who has started to preach heresy, we discuss it at the dinner table. We discuss why is it heresy and what should we do about it and how should we how should we discuss it and engage people about it because if we're not engaging people about the truth then they won't know what the truth is and it used to be um i mean there, there's always been people that want to compromise scripture i guess but it used to be that they were much more uh it was much more obvious what they were doing and now um, the devil really has a tailhold in the so-called church to the point that many people that at one point were even considered solid have gone astray. We need to make sure that we're standing for the truth. First Corinthians sixteen thirteen says, 
Watch ye, stand fast in the face, quit ye like men, be strong. This is another cool thing my dad did for me. When I turned 13, he sat me down and he said, today you are a man. Now he didn't expect me to do everything right. He didn't expect me to not have any struggles as a teenager. But by telling me that his expectation for me was that I was a man, he was raising the bar. He was telling me to aim high. Because if you aim low, you might hit the target every time, but you're aiming low. You're not growing. If you aim high, you might miss once in a while, but you're still aiming high. Your goal is not to be like the rest of society. Your goal is to be like Jesus Christ, the perfect one. Now that can be intimidating because we are far from perfect. Never been perfect, never will be perfect this side of heaven. But that's what we're called to. Jesus said, be ye holy, for I am holy. He didn't say, be ye somewhat good. He said, be holy. Now he doesn't leave us without resource. Because he doesn't say, I'm going to leave you. Remember when he left the disciples, he didn't say, I'm going to leave you by yourselves. No, he said, I'm going to leave you, and a comforter is going to come. And that comforter is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. So he doesn't leave us comfortless. He leaves us with the Holy Spirit. When I became a believer, I was sealed by the Holy Spirit as a promise that Jesus Christ would come back for me one day. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. And I'm excited about that day because when that day comes, I will no longer have to be carried down the stairs of an old church building uh, to preach a sermon. We won't have to worry about broken ramps. (laughs) There will be no ramps in heaven unless they're skateboard ramps, maybe. (laughs) But in which case, I will finally be skateboarding. Yeah. But that, 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 that's another that's right. thing altogether. All I'm say, what I'm saying here, though, is that we need to raise the standard. A lot of times when we look at things from a Christian perspective, and even I can be guilty of this from time to time, we say, well, where is the world? How can I be a little bit above it? Instead of saying, where is Jesus? How close can I get to Him? And if people ridicule you for that, Don't worry, they've ridiculed plenty of other people before you. Jesus Christ did not get crucified because he went around saying lovey-dovey things. He got crucified because he wasn't afraid to call the Pharisees hypocrites. Because he wasn't afraid to say, I am the way, I am the life, and I am the truth. That's what got him crucified. Eleven of the twelve, or ten of the eleven living apostles after after Judas killed himself died martyrs' deaths. Peter was crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified in the same manner of Jesus Christ. And he also, tradition says, I've read, that he watched his wife die before he did. That was part of the way that they tortured him. A lot of times people say, well, Jesus doesn't want you to suffer. Where do we read that Jesus doesn't want you to suffer? He never says that. 
He doesn't say you're not going to have tribulation. He says you will have tribulation. He says in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now I have a final cross-reverence, and fortunately, we just have to turn back one page to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. On this title of Standing for Righteousness, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for so much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I want to focus on two important words in this verse. Steadfast, unmovable. The world is movable. The changing landscape is changing so fast it's hard to keep up. Things that I never thought we'd be discussing in the public square are now front and center in our American culture. We need to be able to contend for our like precious faith. We need to be steadfast and unmovable because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're not going to wake up and find out that he has a new opinion on an issue. (laughs) They're all in this book. He often would say to his followers, from the beginning, this is how it was. Like I said before, he said from the beginning, God made male and female, and he caused them to live together in the bonds of marriage. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Therefore what God hath joined together, let no man separate. That's what God says. It's never changed. So my encouragement to you at Take Hold Church is to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So that when I hear what's going on from Take Hold Church, that I would realize that whether I am absent or with you, that you are following the Lord and that we are continuing to strive together for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. Now, as I close, I just want to say this. If you do not know the Lord, my encouragement would be to trust Him. You have a Father in Heaven, Father God, who wants to love you. Maybe you didn't have a good father growing up. Maybe he was abusive. May I just encourage you that God loves you. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. And Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And He lives even now interceding for you. He also knows how to fix broken people. I was a broken person. I was a bitter young man. And God came in and did a remodeling project that I never could have done by myself. And He can do the same thing for you. If you want to get right with God, I would encourage you to do so today. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer. God, I'm a sinner. Please help me. Please come in and make my life new. And then ask somebody who is here at this church if they can help you to grow in your faith. Because I'm sure 
there are many here that would like to help you. I, I know, I'm pretty sure that Sean would be one of them. And there are others here in this room as well. We're all on the journey. And uh, we all need each other. That's something that I've noticed, that I've thought about more and more, especially in the last two years. We need each other. We can't be always at each other's throats because the world does that enough for us. We need to be able to come to Christian groups and we need to be able to have, find solace. We need to be able to find relief. And more than that, what did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, they'll know that you are my disciples by what? That you love one another. And so, that is my encouragement to you. I hope that these things have been an encouragement to you um, as fathers or prospective fathers. And I just wanted to share with you some of the lessons that my father um, taught me. And now I'd like to close by singing my father's favorite hymn. It was my grandfather's favorite hymn. It was the song that was playing when my grandfather came to know the Lord. So it's a big part of my heritage. It's called The Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame. For I that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross where my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, the old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cling to the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown.